This is World to Win, bringing you the latest news and analysis from a socialist perspective. Welcome back, everyone, to World to Win. My name is Toya, part of the International Socialist Alternative. Be sure that you're subscribed to our channel so you can stay up to date. And I just want to remind everyone that we do have our World to Win YouTube show on podcast version. So if you're the type of person that can't sit in front of the screen all day, you want to listen while you work, make sure you search World to Win on however you listen to your podcast. Today, we have an extremely important and up-to-date episode about what's going on in Israel-Palestine. Now, it is May 21st right now that we're filming, so things may have changed by the time you hear this episode, but I'm sure all of it is still relevant. Um, we're filming as a ceasefire has just been agreed upon, um, you know, that was brought to us from this extremely terrible, bloody uh, phase of warfare against the Palestinian people. And I'm sure if you're watching this, you're aware of what's going on, and maybe you too have even participated in protests or meetings around this issue. Um, so if you have, please put a, a, a comment um, on the video and let us know what the protests were like in your city. Um, but last weekend, there was a day of rage against the, uh, you know, uh, bloodbath um, of the, pa the Palestinian people. Um, but we also saw um, a huge general strike, which is extremely exciting from the Palestinian workers. Um, and there were massive protests um, in communities around the world, in Jordan and Lebanon. Um, and it's not the first time that we've seen uh, uh, things like this happen. There's been a decades and decades long cycle of deadly bloodshed, um, which has been fueled by global imperialism and capitalism, which, you know, the details we're going to get into here with our two guests today. This round of warfare, we saw the deaths of over 200 Palestinians, workers and children alike. And also um, on the other side, we saw 11 Jews, Arabs and migrant workers that um, were killed. Um, by rocket fire from um, Hamas and the Islamic Jihad. Um, but in the International Socialist Alternative and everyone who's involved with our organization and World to Win, we have been out in the streets protesting, um, you know, to talk about what we can do to, to stop the killing, stop the bloodshed. Um, like I said, we're going to get into the details a little bit further today. Um, so for me here in Boston, you know, we've had a few protests um, uh, that have been extremely inspirational and really, uh, you know, putting uh, our President Joe Biden to the test. This is kind of the first time since he's become president that the left is really uh, attacking what he's doing. And so it's been interesting to see these types of discussions happen in the protests. Um, but here today, I want to introduce our guests. We have um, two members of the International Socialist Alternative located in Israel-Palestine. There, we're called Socialist Struggle Movement, and we have Tuval and Yasha here with us today. Um, so Tuval, you first. How have you been? Been uh, okay, uh, all things considered. Um, just, uh, you know, trying to protest terrible things our government is doing. Well, I'm glad to see you safe um, and here with us today. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I know it's probably uh, crazy and there's so much stuff going on. Yasha, what have you been up to today? Yes, we are also uh, preparing for a participation of uh, another uh, anti-occupation protest uh, that will take place uh, uh, tomorrow evening on the eve of Saturday. And no, organizing for that. 
That's super exciting. Um, so let's get right into the question, Jasha, because I'm sure people who are watching and listening want to know some of the, you know, on the ground experience that you're you're able to give us here today. Um, and I'm assuming that people, again, who are watching have a basic knowledge. I mean, even people, you know, who aren't paying attention know what's going on. It's It's been worldwide news. Um, but because it's been worldwide news, we know that a lot of the propaganda that has been put out has caused actual confusion um, into what is truly going on in Israel-Palestine. Um, but like I said, we have reports of a ceasefire. So Yasha, can you tell our viewers what is happening right now in Gaza? Yeah, so well, obviously there is a sense of relief among uh, millions uh, of Palestinians and of Israelis after the end of the horrific bombardment on Gaza and the firing of rockets uh, of the last 11 days with the announcement of the ceasefire. Uh, and immediately after it was announced, Palestinians actually took to the streets uh, in Gaza, in East Jerusalem, in the West Bank uh, during the night to celebrate the fact that they managed to, stood, to stand the ground against the barbaric attacks of the uh, Israeli army and this uh, yesterday night's protests, they are coming uh, after weeks of popular uh, mobilizations of tens of thousands in all of the Palestinian communities uh, for protest actions, demonstrations, marches, strike actions, and uh, civil disobedience. Uh, so this is an initial stage of a, of a new uprising of, of the Palestinians led by the youth and it will not be simply stopped now because of the announcement of a ceasefire. Um, but the ceasefire is also not the end of, of hostilities. Um, the morning after the ceasefire, uh, Israeli forces uh, again attacked worshippers in the Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, in Jerusalem, in occupied East Jerusalem. Uh, so well, by the ceasefire, the occupation in the West Bank uh, obviously continues. The, and so uh, it continues also in East Jerusalem and the expansion uh, of the colonial settlements continues and the, the siege on Gaza will continue in this view, uh, not allow also a real uh, reconstruction of the destruction that was caused by these 11 days of war, which were a real nightmare uh, in the Gaza Strip with, as you said already, Toya, more than 200 13 Palestinians were killed, uh, 65 of them, at least 65 of them were children, uh, more than 90,000 people become refugees, 1,000 buildings were destroyed, and this is including also whole apartment blocks. Uh, the collapse of one of those blocks killed 42 people. There were like whole families that were buried under the rubble, whole families were perished, and we heard some really heartbreaking uh, reports uh, from the Gaza Strip of families that, you know, they slept together in the same room uh, during the bombardments uh, because they have no place to, to, to run, to escape, uh, even no shelters. Uh, and they prefer to be in one room. So if in the worst case scenario, a bomb would hit them, no child would be left as a, as an orphan. So it, it's really horrible um, situation. And uh, besides of the of the attacks on those you know, apartment blocks, so we saw how towers that house media organizations were targeted, hospitals were targeted, 
there was even an attack on a, on a laboratory that was the only laboratory in the Gaza Strip that was processing uh, COVID-19 tests. And these are all acts of, of, of state terrorism. Yes, this is what it is. And I would uh, say the obvious that these acts of state terrorism are not meant to protect the Israeli public, who is genuinely threatened by rocket fire. And also in Israel, children and elderly were killed last week. Uh, but the Israeli uh, bombardments, they have nothing to do with security. Uh, those military attacks uh, are meant to, in fact, protect the capitalist uh, status quo of uh, occupation, siege, national discrimination, divide and rule between workers and poverty, and, and this is what it is. The story you just said, Yasha, about, you know, families staying in the same room, um, you know, to sleep in case uh, something happens so that children wouldn't be left as orphans is just, it's heartbreaking. I mean, to have to, you know, go through this, uh, uh, it's, it, it's heartbreaking is all I can say. Um, but could you go a little bit further into, you know, why all of this actually began? Because, you know, if we're just relying on the corporate media, sometimes we're getting one side of the story. Yes. Uh... The, the side of the of the Israeli regime of the Israeli ruling class, but basically let's start with the fact that for for the Palestinians, life under the occupation or under the siege on Gaza is is a nonstop violence. Yeah, this is what it means, and this is also include grotesque uh, levels of poverty and unemployment. And during the pandemic, the last year, this become even worse with real threat of hunger. Uh, during the lockdowns for Palestinian families. So, you know, one month ago, the Muslim holiday of, of Ramadan began, uh, while families were in real uh, economic uh, distress. And on top of that come uh, police provocations uh, in East Jerusalem against Muslim worshippers in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So these are worshippers that are coming from the East Jerusalem neighborhoods, but also, you know, from the West Bank and from other areas, and all of them were uh, like attacked by stun grenades, uh, uh, rubber bullets, uh, uh, and by horrific police brutality. And in the same time, uh, you know, in the area of the mosque, uh, there is also uh, like a public area, a public square, when at the gates of the old city, when the youth, the Palestinian youth, they are gathered during the Ramadan uh, months to, to break the fast uh, and to hang together. So this year, there was an actual decision by the Israeli police stops not to allow them together. And it's become like a scene of, of, of protest and clashes when uh, the Palestinian news, they were not ready to uh, just to, to obey to, to these uh, restrictions. Uh, but on top of that, um, there was also the strengthening of the far right uh, in Jerusalem and elsewhere by the Netanyahu regime, by his electoral tactics uh, that actually promoted a neo-fascist Kahnist member of parliament uh, to be like uh, in parliament for the, for the first time ever. And this was seized upon by the far right uh, to increase their presence on the streets with daily attacks, violent attacks against the Palestinians. And on top of that, you have also the eviction 
of the residents in Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood in occupied East Jerusalem uh, who are now being uh, threatened to be removed from the houses they lived in for their whole lives uh, in favor of uh, uh, settlers, uh, far-right uh, Kahanist uh, settlers. So if you look in the combination of that, so there is so many provocations coming in such a short space of time and uh, nothing of this is accidental uh, because the government uh, is involved in any of those, uh, you know, decisions by the police, decisions of what to do in Czech Jarrah. And what we saw also is the resistance uh, of the youth that really grow uh, from one day to another, for one week to another, with bigger and bigger mobilizations uh, and really popular uh, protests developing. So the Palestinian youth, they, are, they actually managed to uh, to make the, the tops of the police uh, to zigzag and to cancel the restrictions uh, of movement in the in, in these gates uh, of the of the old city where they are gathering, and they are also managed to to get the armed forces out of the of the mosque compounds, and then they moved with all these uh, newly achieved victories uh, to uh, help the residents of Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood uh, in their struggle. Um, and they came like every night to be with them, to show solidarity, to protest with them. And then it was answered again with a, a horrific uh, police repression and arrests uh, of hundreds of youth uh, almost every day. Uh, up until it came to the point uh, when uh, there was like a going on uh, movement from below. Uh, and this movement also tried to block the far-right march that was organized last week. Uh, and on the background of that, uh, Fatah and, and Hamas, you know, the, the Palestinian, the two biggest Palestinian parties, which was in, in control of the Palestinian Authority and the other one uh, um, locally in the Gaza Strip, uh, so they tried to, to intervene inside this movement. They did not initiate it. They did not start it. Those protests, they were organized, you know, in a semi-spontaneous fashion. But obviously they want to gain some ground. So for the Fatah, it was um, a total uh, failure because they did not made any impression on those youth with their empty diplomatic gestures. But uh, Hamas, pro Hamas promised to to protect the youth against uh, police brutality and uh, to protect the residents of Sheikh Jarrah with military actions. I mean, obviously the Palestinians have a right to, to self-defense and this is including uh, self-defense with arms in hand uh, against the lethal military and police repression, but uh, they discriminating, they discriminating uh, firing of rockets uh, by the Hamas uh, actually played into the hands of Netanyahu to step up repression and to launch a military offensive uh, against the Gaza Strip. Uh, those rockets also helped the Netanyahu government to mobilize support uh, within the Israeli society because of the security fears that exist in such situation. Uh, but albeit the repression and albeit uh, uh, the situation changed from a uh, a popular struggle to, 
to a real, uh, you know, eruption of war. Uh, the protests on the ground continued and the mobilization continued uh, with more steps of, uh, uh, you know, civil disobedience uh, by the use, uh, etc. There's so much to unpack here, Yasha. And as you're describing, it's not just black and white, right? We have to um, understand, uh, you know, the the desire to uh, for people to defend, but also we don't want to play into the, um, as you said, play into the hands of Netanyahu and uh, the right ring, the right wing. Um, it seems extremely complicated. So I'm very. I'm very glad that you're here um, to explain it for us. So I want to go to Tuval. Um, Tuval, I remember in 2014 um, when there were struggles happening in the in the area um, back then, and I remember you know being out and protesting um, uh, you know around these issues of what was going on in, in Gaza specifically. Um, and we've seen over you know the past several years many one-sided wars. But can you explain what the difference is between 2014 and what we're seeing today? Yes. Um, well, I think uh, what happened in 2014, the devastation that it brought on Gaza, I mean, that's a similarity, I guess. But when we're talking about the differences, I think that um, the differences in period, you know, in the kind of the era in which we're in um, are very striking. And the thing that, things that Yasha was talking about earlier, about the positive developments, about the victories of, and the uprising, popular uprising of Palestinian masses, this was something that didn't happen uh, in, on the same scale at all in 2014. And uh, I mean, I want to talk about that a little bit more because, um, so as Yasha has mentioned in the days before the war that was waged by the Israeli regime um, on move to Gaza, we saw a heroic uh, mass movement uh, of Palestinian youth in East, East Jerusalem. And I mean, it's, it's a dialectical process, I think, because these developments of mass struggle are extremely important and the fearlessness that Palestinian youth have shown, their determination to struggle, the rise in confidence, thanks to the gains that were made are all very positive elements. Uh, and they also echoed, by the way, things that happened after 2014. Uh, there was a mass uh, uh, protest movement in 2017, also uh, against police repression uh, and, you know, provocations made by the Israeli regime uh, uh, in Al-Aqsa. And that movement won in 2017. And these gains that were made uh, back then, the achievements uh, were actually lessons for the movement now. Um, I'll, maybe I'll have time to talk about it more later, but I will also say that uh, this is follows um, a mass movement of uh, Palestinian people in uh, 48 borders against police, uh, against um, um, violence within a Palestinian, Palestinian society, which was hit very hard uh, uh, also in 48 uh, borders by the uh, COVID-19 crisis. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, the, the Palestinian youth that were mobilized during these uh, mass demonstrations actually moved on to protesting uh, in, uh, um, in East uh, Jerusalem. And so uh, Yasha mentioned how reaction reared its ugly head and the brutal attacks uh, on Gaza and Al-Aqsa and how, um, uh, I mean, and it, it, it actually also led to protests in uh, Palestinian cities and communities uh, uh, all, all around uh, the area, so also in 48 borders around the country and in the West Bank, of course, and um, also uh, in uh, uh, Jordan and Lebanon. And uh, I just want to mention, because I think that, uh, uh, um, as I said before, it's dialectical. There was a very negative, but both positive development when these protests that were, again, fearlessly uh, uh, Palestinian youth were out on the streets protesting, and these protests were brutally oppressed by Israeli police. Uh, when every Palestinian form of protest is answered by oppression and framed as riots in the me Israeli media and all that, and the police actually forcefully intervened and caused these protests to turn into clashes um, and uh, provoca provocations that caused violence, uh, as well as um, the far right, uh, which uh, as Yasha said, has been strengthened by Netanyahu in these elections, and it took this opportunity to fuel hate and instigate against Palestinians and, uh, and uh, be violent towards them in mixed cities as well, and uh, settlers in mixed cities who are ideological agents whose aim is to sow discord between Jews and Palestinians, organized violence against Palestinians in cities. So this is a negative development, the police, the far right, um, being emboldened to, to oppress, uh, is, um, and uh, in, um, in Lida, actually, two settlers shot a young Palestinian man dead. A few days later, buses of settlers from the West Bank organized a pogrom against Palestinian residents. These are elements which we've seen in 2014, but not in the same way, uh, with uh, um, uh, dozens of lynches across uh, the country and the police which was not only attacking protests also arrested dozens of Palestinian activists uh, and stood by when the violence was directed towards Palestinians even protecting settlers who were attacking in some places so this everything that I just said is like unprecedented uh, negative um, development and it actually uh, the degradation to violence caused also attacks against Jewish residents in mixed cities when Jew Jewish businesses synagogues were burnt uh, Jewish people were also lynched in cities and um, the uh, um, and mixed communities will actually have to recover now from uh, these clashes and restore trust between uh, neighbors and uh, 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 residents but Again, dialectical. <laughs> uh, remarkably, this extremely negative development was answered with an extremely positive one, which is a movement of solidarity all over the country between Jews and Palestinians, starting with uh, initiatives from below and mixed work workplaces, such as hospitals, protests all over the country under the title, Jews and Arabs refuse to be enemies, opposing violence for living in coexistence within communities, uh, unions, 
um, such as the Social Workers Union uh, issued statements of uh, solidarity and the level of shock from violence ended up creating enough public pressure to force right-wing politicians even, including uh, hypocritically uh, uh, politicians from the far right to also condemn violence. And also co corporations have uh, took uh, this on and started campaigns uh, you know, uh, under these slogans. And all this happened at the same time as the war waged on Gaza when usually uh, when these things, um, rounds of bloodshed happen in Jewish-Israeli society, nationalism and racism uh, resurface, we've seen this, but at the same time, uh, we've seen a mass display of solidarity between Jews and Palestinians, and this was not the only possible scenario. So while remaining a very general message of coexistence, not a mass movement opposing the war, but a mass movement opposing violence towards neighbors, their co-workers, uh, stuff like that, um, it, it, it's, it's still uh, a sentiment of people working and living together, and it's still a very important and positive development. I love the word that you used a few times there, Tuval, which is solidarity. It's so extremely important. You know, and you mentioned the mass movements of Palestinian youth, um, you know, which is coming off this year really of worldwide, you know, um, um, youth in struggle, whether it be against um, environmental destruction, um, police brutality, and, and you know, uh, oppression like we're seeing in, in Palestine, it's, it's extremely inspiring. Um, but also there was that one day general strike, which is really encouraging. There's this article, Tuval, that's being passed around, at least here in the US on social media, um, that said something like, uh, you know, almost 60,000 construction workers didn't show up to work um, and cost the capitalists $40 million. And as a construction worker myself, too, well, I felt so proud of, of the stance that people took and the acknowledgement that, you know, we're not going to go and make you money while you are destroying our community and, and killing us. Um, so can you describe a little bit more about that and also... You know, what is it going to take really um, for, you know, a movement to be built um, to make the actual difference that we that we need going forward? So, yeah, so the, the heroic mass movement of youth actually, um, actually went went forward and moved forward. And uh, three days before this uh, uh, gen Palestinian general strike, uh, which was called the Strike of Dignity, uh, there was a mass demonstration held in uh, Sakhnin in the north of uh, Israel and uh, um, the high follow-up committee declared a general strike following this uh, mass demonstration. Um, and uh, this was uh, last Tuesday. It's not the first time that such a strike has been declared in the past few years. It's important to say it. But this time the response was incredible. And as you said, seeing an empty construction site uh, by the way, I was seeing uh, a video of probably a Jewish construction worker filming it and saying we should learn from them, see how, uh, how everybody, you know, how, how everybody's striking and uh, doing it together. Uh, Yasha and I uh, actually went to a protest in Jaffa on the day of the strike. It wasn't just a strike, uh, you know, people staying at home, not working. It was a day of action. And on the way to, uh, to the, where, where the demonstration was held, we saw the streets were completely empty, businesses closed. And uh, yeah, as I said, protests were uh, held during the day around the country. And uh, I do have to say that this strike was answered with incitement. 
and the Israeli media from the Israeli regime calling it like supportive terrorism and the same corporations and managements which allowed and initiated initiated the solidarity message messages actually went uh, against the strike uh, when businesses threatened to fire workers who striked and this shows how just how unreliable such capitalist forces are and struggle against uh, racism and um, Uh, and for coexistence and peace. Um, we, with our small forces in the uh, socialist struggle movement, we tried our best to counter this. So for example, in Tel Aviv University, where I uh, studied, uh, our position and cooperation with other left uh, forces on campus helped us create a letter of solidarity with the strike. More than 150 students, both Palestinian and Jewish students signed this letter. And we connected it to the solidarity movement, uh, the, the Jewish Arab uh, solidarity movement against racism and violence and saying that this is the correct way to uh, talk about solidarity, solidarity with the strike, solidarity uh, with the fight against the occupation and the siege. This is the, the real uh, solidarity against racism and violence. And uh, until now, uh, which is the time filming, uh, uh, the, the follow-up committee hasn't declared another day of action. Uh, but the incitement against the strike, the attacks against uh, those who striked, shows that the one-day uh, strike action cannot be isolated. There needs to be momentum built to continue this struggle. And uh, as Yasha said before, now after the ceasefire, the siege isn't going away, the occupation isn't going away. Um, and uh, But the movement is also not going anywhere. And I think that today, uh, on Friday, we saw mass protests in the West Bank, as well as in Al-Aqsa. Yasha has mentioned this. This uh, is um, really where uh, things are going forward. Um, Super inspiring, Tuval. I love that you're, you know, talking about, um, you know, students banding together to talk about what solidarity means and how we can use solidarity to build movements going forward. I want to switch a little bit to talk about um, some of the, you know, world leaders in the international community. As I said earlier, you know, this was really one of the first um, times that the progressive wing of the Democratic Party in the U.S. has uh, kind of, you know, really pressured Biden uh, to, you know, uh, do something different than what he was planning on doing. Um, and, uh, you know, world leaders uh, around the world obviously around the world, but uh, support the Israeli state oftentimes and um, uh, don't speak out enough against the atrocities of the uh, Israeli government on the Palestinian people. What, in your opinion, um, you know, is really motivating these uh, governments and world leaders? And how do people see the role of Western governments um, on the ground in Israel-Palestine? Like you say, Western regimes have been backing the Israeli regime's brutality towards Palestinian people for decades, and Netanyahu's reckless and brutal policies uh, which serve the settler agenda are actually problematic for at least some of these Western regimes. However, they prefer backing his government's policies, as uh, the Israeli state is an important asset to them in pres preserving imperialist interests in the Middle East. Um, and seeing this, Uh, the hopes that the UN or governments or international forces would help have certainly for many Palestinians been uh, shattered, uh, especially the Trump era, uh, which gave tailwind to Netanyahu's regime and to right-wing forces, the settlers with actions such as moving the embassy to Jerusalem. And um, 
So, and, and, and yet, <laughs> as you say, uh, increased pressures have been building uh, during the past uh, few days uh, for ceasefire. So how did this happen? Well, we, our viewers probably know that across the world, the mass solidarity movement uh, developed with the Palestinian struggle. And uh, it just it changed everything. These movements, uh, mass protests, actions of unions and students in many countries, the attention brought on social media to what's happening first in Sheikh Jarrah and then in Gaza. And, you know, even celebrities such as Lizzo or uh, Natalie Portman expressing solidarity generated a strong public pressure on Western regimes. And it caused them to pressure the Israeli state to agree to a ceasefire after refusing one for the past week. Um, and uh, definitely international solidarity uh, initiatives and protests have an effect. And the ceasefire shouldn't be the end of the solidarity movement. Uh, as Yasha said earlier, um, in Gaza, buildings need to be rebuilt. Medicines need to be administered. Administra and while the siege is imposed, the ability to do all that is seriously impaired, as well as the ongoing humanitarian crisis, which was terrible before it has been made worse um, with, uh, you know, uh, almost all of the water in Gaza being undrinkable and stuff like that. Um, and the occupation and ethnic cleansing continues, as well as the police and armed forces oppression, demonstrations that... Uh, um, we're oppressed today in the West Bank and uh, Al-Aqsa Al show. So we, we, we need to continue the momentum. Uh, we need to raise awareness to what's happening, to mobilize, create more pressure where, wherever we can and wherever we are. And internationally, this can definitely, as I said, make a big difference. Thanks so much, Tuval. So I want to go back to Yasha. Um, viewers may remember that we've had Yasha on our show before. Um, and when you were uh, on World, when you were talking about the normalization process in the in the region. So I'm curious how um, the events that have happened over the past month are affecting this normalization process. It's obviously have and will have uh, lasting effects. Uh, I mean, back then, when the war on war to win, we were speaking about the fact that this uh, normalization process were uh, falsely represented uh, by uh, Netanyahu, Trump, and some of the Arab regimes that were involved in them as a peace agreements, but they were not about peace. It was a uh, very cynical uh, deals to serve uh, geopolitical interests um, and different business interests uh, of the corrupt uh, elites in the region. And we also emphasized that those um, so-called peace agreements would not reduce potential for further bloodshed uh, in the region, as was just proved in a very horrific way in the past uh, uh, couple of weeks. Uh, and for the Netanyahu regime, the aim of those agreements was to also to whitewash and cover up the occupation and the national oppression of the Palestinians to basically isolate the Palestinian struggle also in the regional level. Uh, but the huge wave of solidarity that we see now also in the Middle East uh, shows that Netanyahu failed uh, with this aim. And we saw now, as already been mentioned, also by Tuval, protests of Palestinian refugees on the borders of Lebanon and Jordan. This was the biggest uh, such uh, protest held on uh, Nakba Day. Uh, since uh, 2011, uh, and this is not an accident because in 2011, 
this took place on the background of the revolutionary wave that, that swept the Middle East and North Africa with the revolutions in uh, Tunisia and the toppling of the regime of Mubarak in Egypt. And now what we see is that many of the countries and areas when there were significant mobilization for protests are also places when there were uh, mass struggles during 2019 and 2020. And this is includes uh, uh, Tunisia and Iraq. And this development, it points uh, also to the fact that uh, the Palestinian struggle for liberation is actually part of a, a regional struggle uh, against the imperialist order, against corrupt elites, against uh, uh, the whole system of oppression that is being administrated uh, in the Middle East and for, for a real uh, revolutionary change in the way society is organized. Thanks so much, Yasha. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Netanyahu because right now he's experiencing a political crisis. Um, he is, correct me if I'm wrong, the longest serving prime minister um, ever in Israel's history, um, but he's in a very weak position right now. Um, so Tuval, could you explain a little on how that's connected to what we're seeing happening today? Um, so yeah, uh, these actions, uh, the brutality by Netanyahu's government uh, does not come from a place of strength. And as you said, he's in the weakest position he ever was after two years of deep political crisis. And um, this year saw mass movements. Uh, some of them actually gained certain, uh, um, wait, sorry, I just need to start from the top. Sorry, <laughs> uh, it's getting late and then, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, okay. So um, as you said, Netanyahu is in the weakest position he ever was after two years of deep political crisis and the attacks and the brutality that we've seen do not come from a place of strength. Um, this year saw mass movements, uh, both a movement against Netanyahu uh, and uh, the corruption charges, but also uh, the policies that he's led for the past uh, uh, 10 years, he's been uh, prime minister, uh, and as well as the feminist movement uh, and workers' struggle, in healthcare, welfare, and education, especially. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the protest movement against gun violence within a, a Palestinian society in the 48 borders. Um, and uh, all these have a definite uh, connection to what's going on now. Um, and also to what kind of, um, what, what we as socialists think can be done uh, to, um, to, to, to work here within Jewish Israeli society as well as Palestinian, Palestinian society to uh, uh, fight against Netanyahu's regime and his uh, 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 horrible policies. And um, I think that we've seen interesting de developments of, as well that have to do with this, uh, or the movement against Netanyahu, which includes different elements. So liberals opposing corruption, but also new angry layers of Jewish youth unemployed due to the COVID-19 crisis who for the first time experienced pr police brutality firsthand. And they actually began organizing in new groups, uh, not only around issues like 
Netanyahu's corruption charges, but also around feminist issues, climate, police brutality. Um, and significantly, we saw these layers in Sheikh Jarrah and in protests uh, against the war in Gaza. And it shows the potential of radicalizing during a time of political, financial, social crisis that COVID-19 uh, caused. And uh, struggles of workers, healthcare workers, such as nurses, doctors, intern doctors, social workers, are struggles of both Palestinian and Jewish workers together. Um, Palestinian workers striked in hospitals, for example, um, uh, just uh, a few days before everything started, uh, uh, together with Jews uh, against harsh working conditions. Um, and now, uh, during the, the general Palestinian strike, uh, Palestinians who chose to strike suffered from backlash from hospital management. Um, and uh, conversations naturally develop amongst workers. So it's, it's definitely a development that uh, uh, needs to be taken into um, consideration. And the feminist movement against violence towards women, where Palestinian women are disproportionately murdered as a result of domestic violence, uh, so actually unprecedented involvement of Jewish and Palestinian women struggling together for the past uh, few years, and it's marked radicalization among layers, uh, certain layers of young women. And we also saw in the past few days with the rise in violence, a rise in domestic violence and murders of women, Palestinian women as well. Uh, and this movement is not going anywhere, just like <laughs> um, other uh, movements for uh, um, uh, Palestinian liberation on, isn't going anywhere. And uh, the deep political crisis in the Israeli regime and the consequences of COVID-19 crisis, which hit hard communities here is created an unprecedented level of distrust in establishment parties and politicians when the brutal attacks and war instigated by Netanyahu's government while supported by almost all parts of Israeli establishment parties definitely had also to do with his weaknesses and the prospects of him losing power. So um, where usually the situation here among Jewish uh, uh, society is to initially support the Israeli government when leading such wars with uh, time questions usually start to rise and the levels of distrust now mean that these questions started rising earlier than usual. Um, and uh, people took note, uh, not everybody, certain layers have took note uh, that uh, these brutal attacks and provocations and war waged on Gaza uh, by Netanyahu's government is happening when, as I said, when he's on the brink of losing power, uh, which isn't a sure thing, but he's definitely, as I said, like in a very, very weak position. And uh, most likely that uh, we're going to go to a, a fifth round of elections in the past two years. So we as socialists need to point out not only Netanyahu's part in the horrifying bloodshed and violence we've seen, the entire political system and its policies, and we need to point towards uh, um, uh, the deep, uh, the deep-rooted issues uh, which uh, are already starting uh, to to which are already rose to the surface, and definitely the rifts and question marks that the, uh, this deep crisis has brought have potential to radicalize broader layers also of Jewish-Israeli youth. Love hearing about feminist movements, um, Tuval, uh, you know, Palestinian women and Israeli women um, fighting together, uh, uh, you know, against sexist oppression. It's super inspiring. Um, so I want to end today with Yasha. 
um, I think our, our viewers and our listeners are very eager to know, you know, um, what is the way forward for the struggle on the ground, um, you know, with the, uh, the Palestinian workers and youth? Yeah, so I think I think the most urgent thing now is to develop, to take the struggle further. Yes, with organizing more demonstrations, more marches, more strikes, more actions of civil disobedience. And for that, there is also a need of establishment of new democratic uh, action committees or defense committees. Some of them already been established. And it's also raised the question of, of self-defense. There is a need of self-defense in, in the face of... Uh, uh, lesser repression, uh, but the question of how to defeat the the Israeli military and army machine is not primarily a military question. It's a question of a, of a political struggle and it's a question of a political strategy and the program that is needed to overcome uh, the national oppression and the social misery. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, in Palestine and in Israel, we need that sustained movement. And internationally, you know, we've seen millions of people around the world, um, you know, marching and protesting in solidarity. And so that type of movement um, absolutely needs to continue. Um, so I want to ask you now, though, uh, what is the solution that the International Socialist Alternative puts forward for uh, the situation in Israel-Palestine? Yeah, so for us, it's it's obvious with everything that's been you know, said in this program that the struggle against the occupation and the national oppression of Palestinians is linked to the struggle against capitalism and imperialism in the region. And what we will see in the next couple of days is uh, uh, Biden or the European Union will try to you know intervene into this new situation with uh, renewed uh, proposals for uh, negotiations uh, about the so-called uh, two-states uh, solution. Uh, it's the similar two-states uh, imperialist uh, plans that were dictated to the Palestinians in the last uh, two decades or even three decades uh, without any resolution. So never offered uh, to the Palestinians anything resembling uh, genuine national liberation from the oppression by the Israeli state. And the Israeli ruling class uh, will continue to, to resist as much as he can uh, substantial concession, uh, obviously on the more sensitive uh, uh, questions like the refugee, uh, the refugees' rights. Um, but it is also would be completely misleading to think about any kind of uh, political or, uh, you know, legal uh, resolution uh, that is not connected to the, to the social, uh, to the so social issues and to the social fabric. Uh, I mean, without uh, really expropriating the, the Israeli ruling class, uh, which stands behind the regional military machine, without using resources uh, in the region democratically to end poverty, uh, and the massive material inequality between the two national groups. Uh, there can be no pass for genuine liberation and also for a resolution of this conflict. So the solution is is only possible as part of a you know of, of a regional movement for for transformation for a socialist transformation 
of the of the whole region but on the other hand we cannot be only abstract about it yes uh, and we need to be more concrete because millions of Palestinians are now aspire for a for national liberation and for an independent state for total independence from Israel for example the struggle uh, in East Jerusalem against the colonial settlements uh, it's a struggle to push them out uh, and not to integrate within the Israeli state but on the other uh, uh, on, the, on the other side just to achieve a total uh, to total independence and to push out the military forces the Israeli police the settlers uh, in parallel millions of Jews uh, will fiercely resist uh, any arrangement uh, that uh, in their view will not guarantee them uh, national self-determination. And this is an important factor because uh, a class appeal to Jewish working class, also in the background of what Tuval described in her last uh, um, contribution, uh, is necessary to end uh, the ability of the Israeli state to mobilize the Jewish part of the population against the, uh, the Palestinians. And therefore, in, therefore in these circumstances, uh, of, of conflict and deep divide, we need a program uh, that calls for two equal democratic socialist states on a, in a voluntary confederation with two capitals in Jerusalem to point the way to to address you know the current suspicious on the both sides of the national divide and to allow uh, the potential collaboration in struggle of uh, workers and poor uh, to effectively undermine and challenge the Israeli ruling class. Thank you so much, Yasha. And as you described, it's a complicated situation. It's not just some easy, um, you know, solution, this or that, uh, like the ruling class likes to put forward. What we're calling for um, is a socialist solution, because any sort of solution, um, you know, under capitalism uh, dealt with through imperialism is going to lead to more problems or a continuation um, of the oppression of Palestinian people. Um, so I want to thank you, um, Yasha and Tuval for joining us today. This has been um, an extremely important discussion and I encourage everyone who's watching to check out the International Socialist Alternative website. Um, that way you can read our up-to-date material. Um, we have interviews with people on the ground in Israel, Palestine, um, so you can uh, find out you know, and learn more about what's going on. So I want to thank you both for joining us today. Now it's time for the shout out of the week. And this week we are sending solidarity to the uprising in Colombia. Um, for more than three weeks, workers and young people have been hitting the streets and an actual open rebellion against the neoliberal policies. Um, you know, it's it, it's been a historic event. Um, there, you know, the movement continues and it intensifies um, despite deep, brutal repression. Dozens of people have been killed. Um, people are disappeared. The situation um, is extremely intense. So the International Socialist Alternative has set up a social media initiative. Um, we have pages on Facebook and also Instagram. Um, and so socialists internationally are encouraged to offer, um, you know, messages. Um, 
um, in support of solidarity to the movement. Um, and so you can find those links on your screen below, um, or you can check it out in the description of the podcast. I want to thank everyone for um, tuning in today. Um, be sure to subscribe to our channel, like this video, leave me a comment, and we'll see you all next week, same time, same place. This is World to Win. Every Sunday, we broadcast with speakers from across the globe, bringing you the latest news and analysis on the fast-moving global events from a socialist perspective. Subscribe to the International Socialist Alternatives YouTube page and click the bell to get notified when we go live for a new episode. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram because there's a lot to do and we have a world to win. When they fight! When they fight! When they fight! Solidarity!